Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recap Season 1 where we are recapping all 67 episodes of Game of Thrones in preparation for the airing of Season 8 starting in April of 2019. Today we are on the absolutely breathtaking Season 6 finale, The Winds of Winter. Uh, we wrapped our viewing of this episode a few minutes ago prior to recording this. So, uh, for you, a first-time viewer, uh, yes. where would you like to start with some instant reactions? Why don't we start in King's Landing, King's with, Landing. with the first of two power plays that Cersei makes in this episode. Uh, let's start with the great set to Baylor and Cersei's explosion of said sept yes um yes um wow uh yeah that was kind of shocking uh, i know they talked about the black powder or whatever that was wildfire they, yes. wildfire they talked about that a lot in the last few episodes anyway so it's not a complete surprise i'd say but um I was kind of shocked, and maybe I missed something here. Okay. Uh, the um, the dude that goes down in the chases the guy underneath the yes, the Lancel follows the child. Yes. Okay. Now, so far in this show, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know these people can be hit hundreds of times with swords and banged over the head and all this stuff and they all and down here it looks like he just gets stabbed in the side a little and then Lonsel, he can barely walk well uh, Lancel's never been a fighter of any kind that we've ever seen on the screen uh, this but, is the first combat he's ever really involved in here kind of it looked like a little knife just in the side I mean, it might have been, but... And then he can't walk. I was like, yeah. okay, calm on. <laughs> Drawing this out to... What's he crawling to? Huh? You uh -huh. know? And, and then, yes, how many people died with that powder? Uh, A lot. I mean, the High Sparrow, uh -huh. Marjorie, I assume. Uh, Loras. Uh, all the people in there. Yeah. Um... Uh, I mean, officially out of named characters, obviously Lancel dies in this explosion. Uh, Sir Loras Tyrell, Marjorie Tyrell, the High Sparrow, Mace Tyrell, Kevin Lannister, all of the Faith Militant, and I would say hundreds if not thousands of common folk die as a result of this explosion. Uh, also, indirectly, moving on, uh, Grandmaster Pycelle dies indirectly as an as because of this event, anything to make of Pycelle's death here? Anything important to note with his death, really? Or I can't think of anything okay. off the top of my head. I'm sure there is. Okay. Um, and then, uh, due to this event, King Tommen jumps. Yep. King Tommen. Yep. Jumps off to his mm -hmm. death. Yep. So there's another. Yeah. What do we make um, of Tommen's? death now i mean we we probably knew this was coming right with the woods witch prophecy from last season or a couple seasons ago now yeah i was wondering how what was going to happen with him right how how's this going to work because he's going to be you know something's going through his head like mm -hmm. oh my gosh now i'm mm -hmm. so yeah he just okay well heck the window's open goodbye yeah <laughs> no pausing no waiting and so after he jumped to his death, I wrote down, you know, who is king now? Who is it? Who's it going to be? I well, mean, uh, by standard Westerosi law, uh, it would be, I believe, unless Kevin has a, another son that I don't recall off the top of my head somewhere, technically it should be Tyrion on the throne, I believe. Uh, because it would go after all of the... Well, unless we would consider King's Bastards, in which case Gendry would have high claimant right now. But 
I'd assume those will not count. So all the Baratheons are dead as far as we know to this point. Uh, so we would then go over to the Queen's lineage. Uh, and obviously no women can hold the throne, obviously. Uh, so Jamie would be first, but he's King's Guard, so he has no right to hold throne of any kind. So it would be Tyrion. Uh, legally, it should be Tyrion on the throne, uh, but, you know, that's a little messy of a situation. Uh, uh, so Yeah, since he seems to be coming back to attack. Right. Uh, <clears throat> so officially, it should be Tyrion, but since he probably wouldn't be eligible as being, you know, um, supposed to have been executed a while back for Joffrey's murder, um... It would go to, like, some Baratheon cousin or something, or... Or something. It, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so by but, the end of the episode, though, it appears Cersei is now in charge. Cersei has put herself on the Iron Throne. So, what do we make of this? I'm gonna I easily just simply say, watch out now. Mm-hmm. Watch out. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, I can't believe this is gonna be any good. <laughs> No. Um, over in Essos, uh, Danny has set sail for Westeros, uh, along with the help of not only Theon and Yara Greyjoy, but uh, Dorne and the remaining Tyrell forces now as well have joined up to support Danny's cause to the Iron Throne. What do we make of this here? Well, boy, I'm going to have to say... Obviously, this we knew this was coming. I mm-hmm. mean, um, my question. Okay. And I don't know this off the top of my head, so this will be okay. the fun part here. But how does Varys get there so quick? Well, the question. <laughs> Lady Olena. Yes. She left here not too long she ago. She left King's Landing. King's Landing, and she's in Dorne. Yeah, I mean, that's not... Okay. I mean, they're at Sunspear. It is it is a, quite a ways because you got to go over a bunch of mountains, See, technically, but... And now um, she's in Dorne. Mm-hmm. Okay, when she was sitting there, she said, this person's dead, my... And well, is one of those people Marjorie? Yes. She knows Marjorie's dead already? Yes, apparently news of the sept explosion traveled... At least to Dorne, very quickly. How in the... Yeah, how in the... And Varys was there? Yes. In Dorne? Uh-huh. He just left. I mean... A few episodes ago. Yeah, uh, so, yes, Varys travels from Marine to Sunspear, and then back to Marine in, like, a week or two, which is a journey that should take, like, a year, maybe. Like, what? Yeah, um, he... Talk you know, about a back... You know, he's got some, he's got a motorboat. He's uh, got something something. going. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know. When I saw him in Dorne, I thought, Mm -hmm. is that really him? Okay, well, he he did leave a couple episodes ago. There's a lot of fast traveling in this episode to make certain events uh, coincide well. Uh, Yeah, that... Sorry. Such as uh, Jamie's return to King's Landing. That that was takes my a other few one, weeks like, for him to get there. That wait. should take a few weeks to get from the twins down to King's Landing. He just but, left there, and he's there, and there's the building is still smoking. Yeah, should take him at least a couple weeks. <laughs> Normally, yeah. Some of those time. Okay, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know we have to give him a little break, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't bother me all that much, really. It's like, wow, guys. Uh, but with all these ships, yep. Mm-hmm. The ships and the dragons, I didn't think the ships could hold a thousand people on each of them, though. Uh, they didn't look that big. No. Uh, no. The Dothraki don't seem to have any trouble, uh, so far at least on the sea, as we, as we feared they might. Well, they seem to be handling their seafaring well so far, at least. that little... Snippet we got, yes. yeah. It uh, looks like it's gonna be a big battle with that, all them ships, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a big battle there. Up at the twins. Up at the twins. Arya Stark's revenge tour has begun with her execution of Walder Frey. 
Yes. What do we make of this? We get to see faceless men technology on display here. Uh, yes, uh, Arya kills. Yes. And it appeared like she liked it. Oh, yeah. Um, At least killing Walder, yeah. She's apparently going to travel around the countryside real quick, too. Apparently. She got all the way from Bravos here to the Twins pretty quick, which is <laughs> admittedly not a terribly far distance. If you have a fast enough boat to sail into the right port, it's not an awfully far distance to go, but still a bit condensed, but so, nonetheless. Yeah, she's just going to start her killing tour, I guess. And well, this is what she's wanted to do for a while. Mm. So it's not that big a surprise. Up in the north, uh, Jon Snow has been named King in the North. King in the North. Hopefully, ends better for him than it did for Rob, huh? Well, this, uh, yes. Um, we'll get to the uh, flashback stuff with Bran in a bit. You know, but Melisandre comes clean. Yeah. Uh, they kick her out. Yeah. That's not what I would have done. I she's going to come back. She might. There's going to be... I mean, why didn't they execute her? Why didn't they chop her head off? Sending her away like that. No, that's setting up for her to come back and do something. Is my thought. We'll see, I guess, but... That's not what I would have done with her. Uh, Sansa, the Knights of the Vale, that... Her great line uh, in regards to Littlefinger where she said, only a fool would trust him. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be very trustworthy. No. And at the end, when they are proclaiming John the king in the north, he had a little smirk and he was not proclaiming the king in the north. So I think he still has something up his sleeve. He wants to be the king and he wants Sansa by his side. I was wondering what tree Sansa was sitting on there when Littlefinger came to talk to her. Uh, that is the Great Godswood in the Winterfell Gardens where we uh, see Ned Stark sitting in the season one series premiere uh-huh. uh, after he executes the deserters polishing ice there. This is the same tree decked out in its winter outfit instead okay. of the more summery look that it had way back when. Yes, Littlefinger wants to be on the Iron Throne with Sansa next to him. So, yeah, will that come true? Well, see, Lady Mormont, honestly, I thought she was awesome. Oh, her? yes. She was very awesome in her speech. She put people in their places. <laughs> uh, and now Jon Snow is, well, I guess he's now the king in the north. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all... There we have another powerhouse. So, mm-hmm. And then last but not least, the biggest event of this episode. Uh, combo between Beyond the Wall with Bran and back down in Dorne at the Tower of Joy in flashback form. We learn... We learn... Flashback. That. Ned and Lyanna. Yes. Ned and Lyanna Stark, we learn why is Lyanna Stark in the Tower of Joy? Why is she being kept here guarded by Sir Arthur Dane in the morning? Well, she was with child and dies in childbirth, giving birth to who else but the now King of the North, Jon Snow. The moment book readers have waited since August of 1996 to find out (laughs) who is Jon Snow's mother. We saw those clues in that first novel back in 96 with, of course, the Promise Me Ned line from Liana in flashback. And we get confirmation here in this episode. Jon Snow is half Stark. It's not Ned's. It's Liana is his mother. So who is his father? Think for like half a second. It's fairly obvious, but... Okay. Nonetheless, the moment some fans have waited over 20 years to find out. Wow. Uh, Uncle Benjamin Lee is Brian? Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be a big deal or not. Probably not. 
so that was good. Uh, the one part you've missed, I think, or if you're not done, uh, the Gillian Sam part, which wasn't a major oh, part. I mean, there's nothing really that happens there that needs a that reaction happens. to. No, but, but that is one heck of a library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sam is going to be happy there. Will he ever go back and see Gillian? <laughs> Will he ever leave this place? Um, yes. So, uh, it was a heck of an episode. And it sets up a lot of stuff for season seven. Yes. So, time for the plot recap. We will start down south in present day Dorne, where Alaria and the Sand Snakes, of course, are meeting with Elena. And uh, Elena has learned of the deaths of her son and grandchildren up at the Sept of Baylor from apparently a week ago, but maybe earlier in the day. Don't really know. Oh, no. Nonetheless, um, Elena has been contacted by Alaria Sand to come and join up with the Dornish in an effort to take down the Lannisters and that they have a offering, a potential alliance for Olenna to join up with, being with Queen Daenerys Targaryen. Olenna takes them up on the offer, and presumably they all head to Marine to meet up with Danny over in aforementioned Marine. Uh, first, uh, Dario Naharis has a conversation with Danny and. Dario learns that he will be left behind here in Marine along with the rest of the Second Sons to keep the peace in Marine while the common folk elect their own leaders uh, for the future. Uh, later, uh, Danny names Tyrion Hand of the Queen and pins a very similar, if not perfectly replicated, Hand of the King badge upon him and the assembled Dothraki, Ironborn, Dornishmen, Reachmen, and Unsullied Armies, as well as three dragons, although Drogon, of course, the biggest of the three, along with Rhaegal and Viserion, head off to go conquer Westeros, reclaim the Iron Throne for the Targaryen name. Uh, We'll head back over to Westeros, up to... Oh, King's Landing. Or no, well, we'll, we'll head over to Old Town. Um, Sam, Gilly, and Baby Sam arrive. Uh, they spot the high tower of the Citadel, where dozens of white ravens are being released, sending out letters signaling that winter has arrived. Uh, they arrive in the Citadel, and in all I can imagine is a extended uh, tribute slash homage to the Terry Gilliam film Brazil. Uh, Sam informs the maester at the like information desk or whatever yes. uh, that he has been sent by Lord Commander Jon Snow of the Night's Watch to become the new maester. And the uh, maester informs him, uh, G.R. Marmont is the Lord Commander. And we have received no letter from Maester Eamon about his death. And so uh, Sam has to go meet with the Archmaester to address these irregularities. But Sam is allowed to use the library in the meantime. But uh, no women or children are allowed in the library. So Sam goes and gazes upon the thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of tomes, scrolls, and other assorted works that he now has access to read through at his own leisure, presumably. Uh, up to King's Landing. Where, actually, the yeah, King's Landing. Um, initially, everyone is getting themselves ready for the upcoming trial of Sir Loras Tyrell and Queen Cersei Lannister. Uh, everyone enters the Great Sept of Baylor except for Pycelle, Tommen, and Cersei basically. Uh, first, Loras's trial is held. Loras decides to uh, confess to all of his sins and so uh, renounces his title and his claims to Highgarden. 
uh, and the sparrows carve the seven-pointed star into his forehead, naming him a member of the faith militant. Uh, King Tommen prepares to depart the Red Keep, but uh, the mountain arrives and keeps him in his room. Uh, so uh, Marjorie informs, or no, Lancel tells the High Sparrow that Cersei has yet to leave the Red Keep, so the High Sparrow sends Lancel out to go get Cersei. Uh, meanwhile, Pycelle follows one of the little birds into a Kyburn's laboratory, basically, where Kyburn is awaiting him, and Kyburn sicks all of the little birds upon Grandmeister Pycelle, as Pycelle must die, and we must ring the funeral bells for Grand Maester Pycelle. Uh, back in the Sept, Marjorie quickly realizes that Cersei and Tommen aren't here. This can't be good for us if they're not here. Why would they not be here? Marjorie knows something's afoot. She knows Cersei well enough. Something must be <laughs> afoot. She knows. And below the Sept, Lancel continues to follow another little bird uh, who drops the torch that he was carrying. Lancel is stabbed uh, in the, the summary here. It says stabbed in the spine, uh, therefore paralyzing him oh. from the waist down, okay, that which would make right. more sense. Yes. Um, okay. Lancel looks around and finds the old rumor with much substance that Kyburn mentioned a couple episodes ago to Cersei. King Ares Targaryen's stash of wildfire underneath all of King's Landing that he was planning to burn the entire city to the ground with, it's still here. And Cersei has had uh, someone set up a candle trap to go off and explode all the wildfire underneath the Gret Sept of Baylor. Lancel is unable to get to the candles quick enough as the wildfire ignites, exploding the tunnel beneath incinerating Lancel almost immediately and causing a chain explosion up to rip through the entire Great Sept of Baylor, burning it to the ground and exploding it all across the common land of King's Landing, bringing to an end as we must ring the funeral bells, the lives of Sir Loras Tyrell, Queen Marjorie Tyrell, Mace Tyrell, Kevin Lannister, uh, the High Sparrow, the Faith Militant, and that's really about it, I believe, right? Yep. Okay. But nonetheless, Cersei has basically here single-handedly destroyed the entire Tyrell family, uh, where since Willis does not exist in show continuity, uh, Olenna is now the only living member of the Tyrell family at this point. She likely ain't going to reproduce anytime soon, so... Uh, I wouldn't think so. The Tyrell house is going to be extinct when or if Olenna dies in the future. Uh, and still, in her victory glow, Cersei goes down to the Red Keep dungeons and visits Septa Unella, who has been taken prisoner, strapped to a table. Cersei awakens her, pours a pitcher of wine on her face, uh, and... Uh, promised up to Unella to confess that she enjoyed tormenting Cersei during her imprisonment. Unella, of course, decides not to, so Cersei decides uh, to confess her crimes to Septa Unella because, and explain why she does these things that make her feel good. Well, she blew up the set to Baylor and killed everyone because it felt good to do so. She fucks her brother Jamie because it feels good to her to do so. She lies about it because it feels good to keep her children free from hypocrites, apparently. I don't know, apparently Cersei thinks incest is widespread, <laughs> I guess. Apparently. I, I yeah. don't know. I'm not quite sure at that point. Um, and uh, Cersei decides to bring in the mountain and have the mountain essentially just stare at Unella, but that is torture enough as Unella lays her eyes upon the ungodly state that the mountain has been put in by Kyburn, uh, back in the private chambers of King Tommen, uh, Tommen continues to observe the exploded sept. And the one question I have at this point, which I we won't get an answer, is 
Does Tommen know Cersei's not in the Sept? I saying like, I'm, I know he knows Marjorie is dead and all, but does he know Cersei's not? I don't know. Probably doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, Tommen decides to jump out the window and dies of his fall. As we must ring the funeral bells for King Tommen Lannister. Uh... Tommen's body is found. Cersei is not too thrilled by this and learns that, oh, Maggie the Woods Witch was was right. Uh Uh-oh, all three of my children are dead before me. Uh Uh-oh, is the Valonqar part coming true that wasn't actually mentioned in the show but is part of the prophecy? Uh Uh-oh. And that's essentially that. Uh, She has Tommen's body burned and spread the ashes where the Sept of Baelor once stood the Tommen may rest with Joffrey, uh, Marcella, and Tywin. Uh, Jamie Braun and the Lannister army arrive back after they departed the twins. Uh, Jamie looks to be very thrilled, but quickly turns to shock as he sees the smoke and, sur- and ruins of the once mighty great set of Baylor. He uh, storms into King's Landing manages to get into the throne room just in time to see Cersei Lannister flanked by her king's guard, crowned Cersei Lannister, first of her name, queen of the Andals and the First Men, protector of the Seven Kingdoms. And Cersei has ascended the throne. Uh, back up at the twins. Uh, first, Jamie and Bronn arrive at the twins to celebrate their victory at River Run in this new, newly reformed alliance between the Freys and the Lannisters. Uh, however, Jamie's not too thrilled that he had to leave King's Landing to come take back River Run for Walder. Uh, nonetheless, Walder crows over his victory and tries to build a friendly relationship with Jamie stating that both of them are king slayers. This does not uh, excite Jamie in any way. Uh, and Jamie leaves and takes Bronn with him as they leave the twins entirely. Later, Walter Frey is eating dinner in his great feast hall all by himself when a servant girl serves him some pie. He does not recognize the servant. So, of course, immediately questions who she is. Slaps her on the behind as he wonders if she's one of his children, but she can't be. She's much too pretty for that, according to Walder. Uh, He goes on to complain about the tardiness of his sons, Black, Walder, and Lothar Frey, uh, to which the servant insists they're already here. They're in the pie you're eating. Walder removes the crust and finds one of their toes baked into the top of the pie. Servant reveals her true identity as... Arya Stark of Winterfell. She kills Walder, very similar to how her own mother was killed in this very same room three seasons ago. Uh, And she smiles as she watches Walder Frey bleed to death. And she presumably leaves the twins to find her next target of vengeance. Who's left on her list? It's basically Cersei now. That's really about it. That's all that's left on her list, more or less. Um, so she's probably heading to King's Landing next, oh would be the assumption. Oh boy. Uh, we will head north up to Winterfell. Uh, Mel and John are in Winterfell's main hall. Uh, John's reminiscing about the feasts that the Stark family used to hold in this very room when Davos, of course, strides in and accuses Mel of murdering Princess Shireen. Mel freely admits to doing so, uh, but only because Stannis wanted me to do so, more or less. Uh, Davos quickly dismisses that it doesn't matter. Your killing of Shireen didn't help Stannis win. They're all dead. Uh, So... Uh, Davos asks for Mel to be executed. John refuses to execute her now, largely and presumably, I would assume, due to the fact that he's only alive because of Melisandre, would be my presumption. Uh, so uh, he banishes Melisandre from the north, and if she ever returns to the north, she will be hung, and Davos promises to carry out this sentence himself if she returns 
Uh, later, John and Sansa are standing on the ramparts. The first of many of these scenes we'll get in season seven, where John and Sansa stand up on this part and discuss events that have happened. Um, John tells Sansa that he has had uh, Ned and Kat's old room uh, made ready for Sansa to sleep in. Sansa insists that John should have it, but John refuses to take it back. Uh, Sansa apologizes for not informing John about her ploy with the Knights of the Vale and Littlefinger, uh, to which John tells her that they must trust each other as the Starks have many enemies. Nonetheless, probably Littlefinger can still be counted among those enemies. Sansa also informs John that a white raven arrived earlier, that winter has arrived. Yes. Later, in the God's Wood, Littlefinger approaches Sansa, uh, and he informs her that he wants to be the king of the Seven Kingdoms. We all already knew this, but he wants Sansa to be his queen. Uh, and he declares that he has openly declared for House Stark, to which Sansa doesn't really care because, you know, Littlefinger's done this many, many times and doesn't stop him from doing what he wants to do anyway. Right. So, uh-huh. uh, Nonetheless, uh, Littlefinger attempts to sow some discord between John and Sansa by telling her that, uh, asking her who the North should rally behind, the true-born daughter of dead Ned and Catelyn Stark or a motherless bastard born in the South. Uh, afterward, in the Great Hall, Lord Yon Royce kicks us off by uh, allying the Knights of the Vale uh, with the Free Folk. In er, Lord Yon Royce does not want to take up arms with the Free Folk. He does not want to fight alongside the Free Folk. Uh, John reminds them that reminds everyone gathered that the Free Folk fought side by side with both the Northmen and the Knights of the Vale in the Battle of the Bastards last episode. Uh, Lord Kerwin argues that with the Boltons defeated, the war's over. Winter has arrived, and the Maesters have noted that it will be the coldest in a thousand years. Uh, he then proposes that everyone ride home and wait out the coming storm. But uh, John counters that the war is not yet over. It has only just begun as the true enemy will not wait out the storm. They bring it themselves, the White Walkers and the Night King. The assembled begin to argue amongst themselves, but lovely Lady Liana Mormont stands and speaks to Lord Wyman Manderley. Your son was murdered at the Red Wedding, yet he refused the call. Lord Glover swore an oath to House Stark, yet he refused the call. Lord Kerwin father was laid alive by Ramsay Bolton, yet he refused the call. But House Mormont remembers. The North remembers. They recognize only the king in the North whose name is Stark. But John's not a Stark. Well, it does not matter. He is half Stark, and that is enough for Lady Liana Mormont and the rest of the Northerners as Jon Snow, in a truly tremendous scene, is named the King in the North. In the background, Littlefinger is not too happy about what he has just uh, watched happen in front of him. Littlefinger is not pleased, to say the least, here with these uh, developments here in the North. Elsewhere, in the North beyond the Wall, uh, Bran and Mira Reed are dropped off by Benjen, uh, at, right outside in front of a weirwood heart tree, uh, pretty close to the wall, not at the wall, but pretty near it, as Benjen cannot go any farther. Bran doesn't know why, so Benjen explains that the wall is not just a big giant thing of ice. It also has magical spells carved into its foundation when it was built to keep all dead away from the wall. They cannot get within a certain distance from the wall, and presumably the magic extends under and over the wall, and no dead can come near the wall, go go over it, go under it, and of course not go through it. So Benjen cannot go, so he must go off. Prepare for the coming wars. He still fights for the living. Uh, Bran decides to turn his attention to the weirwood tree, 
but since he, uh, but Mira doesn't really want him to do this, isn't sure that he's ready to uh, begin to take on the full responsibilities of the Red Raven, but Bran insists that he must at least try. Places his hand on the face carved into the tree and is teleported back to Dorne, the Tower of Joy, near the end of Robert's Rebellion some 20-some-ish years ago. Uh, right where he left off before the old three-eyed raven took him away. Uh, Bran does not call after his father, Ned, like he did before learning from the three-eyed raven. Uh, Ned does still turn around briefly before rushing into the tower. Inside, Ned, followed along by Bran, discovered Lyanna Stark lying in bed with blood-stained sheets, being tended to by a few handmaidens, one of them, Hands a newborn baby to Ned, who takes the child in his arms. A weakened Liana whispers to Ned of the baby's identity. We'll get back to this next season in the finale. Uh, and the baby is, of course, her own son. She begs Ned to promise that he will keep her child safe as Robert would kill him if he knew his identity. Ned looks at his infant nephew, the child's eyes open to reveal the dark-colored brown eyes of Jon Snow as Bran realizes who this baby is. And oh, Jon Snow is the son of Lyanna Stark and fill-in-the-blank pretty obvious. And that is the entirety of this episode. So anything you have to add, questions at this point? Anything of that sort? Um, not right now, no. Okay. This is a great episode. Ready for season seven now. All right. So, uh, from which chapters of the book are this, is this episode adapted from? Well, from A Game of Thrones, the first novel, chapter five, John one. During King Robert's visit to Winterfell, John sits away from his family during the feast and is seated with squires of his similar age. Benjamin notices this and asks John about it, noting that John usually sits with his family. Chapter 39, Ned 10, a flashback of Lyanna Stark's death. She begs Ned to promise her something. It's not clear what in the book, but she asks Ned to promise her to do something. Uh -huh. From A Storm of Swords, the third novel, chapter 56, brand four, it is explained why Cold Hand slash Benjen cannot pass beyond the wall. Epilogue. Members of House Frey fall victim of assassination by a vengeful member of House Stark, believed to be dead. In the books, this is um, Catelyn Stark, who has returned as a zombie known as Lady Stoneheart. It's a really weird plot line. It's Luckily, they did not put it in the show, at least not the zombie cat part, but anyway. Um, <laughs> A Feast goodness. for Crows, the fourth novel. Chapter 12, Cersei 3. Cersei destroys part of the city using wildfire. Chapter 39, Cersei 9. People are tortured at Cersei's command. Chapter 40, The Princess in the Tower. The ruler of Dorne reveals that he is aligned with House Targaryen, that it is time for vengeance, justice, fire, and blood. Chapter 45, Samwell 5. Samuel Tarley arrives at the Citadel and has to deal with a bureaucrat of the Order of Maesters. From A Dance with Dragons, the fifth novel. Chapter 19, Davos 3. Davos and Lord Wyman Manderley witness a young northern noblewoman deliver a moving speech about loyalty to House Stark. Chapter 29, Davos 4. Lord Wyman Manderley confirms his loyalty to House Stark. Chapter 37, the piece of the Prince of Winterfell. Meat pies made out of missing Freys are served by a member of the Northern nobility to other Freys in revenge for the Red Wedding. Epilogue, Grand Maester Pycelle is killed. Sir Kevin Lannister is killed. Varys has returned to Westeros to pave the way for the restoration of House Targaryen. And White Raven sent by the Citadel arrive at a major castle, confirming winter has arrived. The rest appears, including the confirmation of Jon Snow's uh, mother, appears to come from the as-of-yet-unpublished sixth winds of winter, of which this episode get its, gets its title from. So, what are the differences between uh, those chapters and what we see on screen here? Well, there's quite a few of them. Firstly, 
So far to the end of the published works, um, Lord Walter Frey, Lothar Frey, Walder Rivers, Black Walder Frey, Mace Tyrell, Marjorie Tyrell, Loras Tyrell, Lancel Lannister, King Tommen, and the High Sparrow are all still alive. Presumably that will happen in Book 6. Uh, Loras was also never arrested nor put on trial, nor did he ever join the Faith Militant. He instead was sent by Cersei to conquer the island of Dragonstone, where he was gravely injured. Loras has renounced his title and claims on Highgarden long ago when he joined the Kingsguard. In any case, his elder brother Willis is the current heir to Highgarden in book continuity. Loras also never stated that Renly was a traitor. Jamie does not go to the twins after resolving the Siege of River Run. He instead heads to Raven Tree Hall. He also has yet to return to King's Landing from this mission. Varys, not Kyburn, murders Pycelle and also occurs off screen. Kevin, not Pycelle or Lancel, is lured into a death trap by one of the little birds. Pycelle does not die as a result of multiple stab wounds. Instead, his skull is bashed in. Kevin is fatally injured by an arrow that Varys shoots at him. Varys apologizes, explaining why it was necessary to kill both him and Pycelle. And then Kevin is finished off by Varys' little birds. Sam does not bring Gilly nor the baby with him to the Citadel. The White Raven is sent to King's Landing, not Winterfell. The Freys who are killed and baked in a pie are not Blackwalder and Lothar. Instead, Jared, Rhaegar, and Simon Frey all disappear on their way from White Harbor to Winterfell. It is likely that they were baked into pies on the orders of Lord Wyman Manderley, but has not yet been confirmed to do so. Arya, who is still in Braavos, has nothing to do with any of those deaths. The pies are brought to Ramsay Bolton's wedding, not to the twins. Lord Frey does not attend this wedding, therefore does not eat the pies, but his third and sixth sons, Aeneas and Hustine, do. They are not told afterwards what the pies are made of. Of the Freys who ate from the pies, only Aeneas is killed. Arya has nothing to do with his death. House Glover has always supported the Starks. It is not Lyanna Mormont, but Willa, Lord Manderley's granddaughter, who speaks in favor of the Starks. Davos, not not Lyanna Mormont, reminds Lord Manderley of his son's death at the Red Wedding. Lord Manderley and Robert Glover declare their loyalty to the Starks only in private in front of Davos. Lord Manderley is described as so obese that he cannot ride a horse, leading to his nickname, Lord Too Fat to Sit on a Horse. Clay Kerwin is long dead. He was killed by the Boltons. Sam explains why cold hands cannot pass beyond the wall. Jon Snow's parentage is as yet unconfirmed in the books. Sam waits for hours until he is admitted to speak with the Archmaester. He is first approached by a novice named Alaris, who is interested in hearing Sam's story. He is then taken to the Archmaester. No one inquires to Sam about the current Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. After the Siege of Riverrun is resolved, Edmure is sent to Casterly Rock, not back to the Twins. The Faith Militant are not required to carve the seven-pointed stars into their foreheads. It is sufficient for them to paint the star there or sew a badge of it onto their clothing. Only the most zealous among them carve the star into their chests, not their foreheads. Arianne Martell, not Olenna, as her father, what is our heart's desire? Doran, and not Ilaria and Varys, answer vengeance, justice, fire, and blood. Dario uh, is the commander of the Stormcrows, not the second sons. Sansa never came to the Godswood to pray to be somewhere else, as she states she had. Davos also never stated that he loved Shireen like she was his own daughter. Littlefinger has never stated that he wants to rule the Seven Kingdoms. His plans, as far as he is revealed to Sansa, are to take over the Vale and Winterfell by marrying Sansa to Harold Harding. Uh, Cersei has the Tower of the Hand, not the Great Set to Baylor, destroyed by wildfire. This happens towards the beginning of A Feast for Crows, and no one is harmed in the incident. Uh, so, uh. those are all the differences. So, what are my rewatch notes for this episode? Well, uh, on an artistic level, I have quite a few. Uh, the score, wo- score work over the uh, beginning, the entire beginning, that long track there is just fantastic. Uh, the entire opening sequence, still just marvelous. Everything just so great. Still a very stunning and well-done moment with the sept explosion as well as Tom and suicide. 
Uh, Liam Cunningham and Chris Van Houten, both great acting displays here during the Davos Mel confrontation scene. Uh, the reveal of Jon Snow's mother is fantastic, as is the King of the North sequence, both still chill-inducing moments. And that is it on an artistic level. So, uh, on a more randomly but kind of important level, who all died in The Great Sept or as a result of it? Well, obviously Lancel, Loras, Marjorie, the High Sparrow, Mace, Kevin, indirectly King Tommen, uh, hundreds if not thousands of common folk, all of the Faith Militant, and also indirectly, Grandmaster Pycelle. So, House Tyrell is down to only Olenna. Uh, the Lannisters is really only Cersei, Jaime, and Tyrion at this point that we know of. Maybe Kevin has another kid somewhere out back in Lannisport. Don't know about it. Uh, and, you know, the Sparrows are gone, and Pycelle has left now Grandmaster seat open who will take this place it's Kyburn, but uh nonetheless uh cersei is now torturing septa unella with the mountain jamie uh doesn't really care in the slightest for walder Frey, nor being told that he's a kingslayer i imagine we're going to get in most likely in season eight a lot more people are going to find out uh, the truth of jamie's kingslaying i imagine uh, Maggie the Woods Witch's prophecy is coming true. All of Cersei's children have died before her. Will the omitted from the show, but still technically part of the prophecy, Valonqar part come true that Cersei will be killed by her little brother? Will this come to be the case or not? We'll find out together. Uh, Sam Gilly and baby Sam have arrived in Old Town. And we get our first look at both the city of Old Town and the Citadel. Uh, John and Sansa are back in Winterfell, ruling the North together. Understandably, Davos wants Mel executed for her sacrifice of Shireen, but John decides to banish her from the North instead. Melisandre's heading south. Will she return, and if so, in what capacity? What role does she have in the upcoming war against the dead, if any? Uh, we get the first of many John Sansa discussion on the Rampart scenes. Winter has arrived. Lady Olenna has joined up with Ilaria Sand and Dorne, and they all have aligned themselves with Danny. Daria and the Second Sons are being left behind in Marine. Slaver's Bay has been renamed the Bay of Dragons. Danny has officially named Tyrion her hand of the Queen. Arya has made it back to Westeros and all the way to the Twins. Also, some foreshadowing I mentioned back in, I believe, season two about the rat cook story comes true with Arya in this episode with Walder's Pie. Arya's facial smen training has also worked very well, and her revenge tour is now underway. Littlefinger wants the Iron Throne and to have Sansa to be his queen. Littlefinger also is trying to sow discord within the Stark family between Sansa and Jon here in this episode. Mira and Bran are basically at the wall now. Uh, the Tower of Joy, we learn that Jon Snow is Lyanna Stark's baby. Who's his father? Uh, we, we know the answer. Uh, you know, we obviously learned it in Season 7, but we've, we have all the information we need. We can figure it out pretty easily. Uh, Jon Snow has convinced the Northerners of the Night King and has been named King in the North. Lyanna Mormont. Great lady. She's wonderful. Uh, Littlefinger realizes he's in a great deal of trouble here during this King of the North sequence. Cersei is now Queen of the Seven Kingdoms and probably the most powerful person in all of Westeros at this point. Um, Kyburn is now serving as Hand of the Queen for Cersei. Last but not least, Danny has set sail for Westeros with the combined forces of the Unsullied, half the Iron Islands, the Dornish, the Tullys, the Dothraki army, and of course, her three dragons. Uh, some foreshadowing moments. Of course, what I mentioned earlier there about Jamie's king slain, I imagine we'll learn more about that, or more people will learn about the truth of it in season eight. Uh, the sheer amount of books in the Citadel library. Uh, Sam is gonna, there's just no way he can't find something that is not important. Like He has to find something important here. Has to, with how many books are there yeah. are. He has to find something helpful here. We'll learn more about what that is, or what many things that might be. 
Um, I was wrong, Melisandre states, about the prince who was promised. Um, I think this could come back in season eight. Uh, you know, I think they're trying to sow some doubt that there even is a prince who was promised, uh, potentially, with this bit. And I'm interested to see how that comes back. Uh, Mel to John, the great war is still to come. The dead will be coming soon. Uh, Mel's riding south. Will she return? What role does she have to play in the future, if any? We'll find out together. Jon Snow states, I'm not a Stark. You are correct, John. You are correct. We'll learn why next season. Um, Sansa, only a fool would trust Littlefinger. John to Sansa, we can't fight a war amongst ourselves. You can't, but maybe they will. We'll find out. Winter has arrived. Important for the future. Lady Olenna, survival is not what I'm after now. Uh, Danny, uh, for season eight here, I presume, uh, the best way to make alliances is with marriage. Also for season eight, uh, Dario and the Second Sons. We're still in Marine. Uh, Dario states, I think this is both for Danny, but also Dario foreshadows here for the White Walkers a bit. I pity the Lords of Westeros. They have no idea what is coming for them. Uh, Arya killing Walder Frey, uh, very, if not almost identical to Kat's death at the Red Wedding. Sansa to Littlefinger, you've declared for other houses before, and it's never stopped you from serving yourself. Littlefinger surmises John's identity as a motherless bastard born in the South. Uh, Benjen mentions the magic built into the wall and the fact that the dead cannot pass through. So come back next season. Benjen, I still fight for the living. Bran, I'm the three-eyed raven now. Obviously, Jon Snow being Lyanna Stark's son. This is important for the next two seasons, presumably. Uh, and last but not least, Lyanna Stark. If Robert finds out, he will kill him. You have to protect him. Promise me, Dad. Promise me. So... That is it for all of season six of Game of Thrones. We will return in the near future with season seven. So until that episode, uh, make sure to subscribe to the channel for more great content like this. And until that next episode, goodbye.